0: Blog Talk Radio Urban Glory Radio Simply Glory Well good evening, this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it It's another time to study the Word of God systematically Let's pray and get into the lesson Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives us confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give us clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We are beginning a new teaching on the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of grace. And what do I mean by that? That's what we're going to be discussing for the next few weeks. We um, have a focus Tonight, we're going to be talking about grace as gospel, and then we're going to go into grace as judgment, grace as judgment, as grace as justice, and grace as growth. And I believe that we're going to have a greater revelation on grace through this particular study, but we need to understand what the dispensation of grace is. In order to uh, find that out, we need to have a comprehension on dispensation, and I believe that uh, this lesson will help you understand the importance of grace to another level. Um, A dispensational understanding is, is found in the concept of dispensation. A dispensation is a historical overview that summarizes events with divine judgment and involvement, pointing to a consensus in its coined phrase as a key proponent to that cool events dilemma or delight. Now our goal in this teaching is simple. It's one simple goal and that is to rethink and to reform our perspectives on the power of grace through transformation and actualize a plan of grace for living. Now Tonight we're going to begin and just introduce the subject of grace, and let's begin um, various ways I can go, but let's begin with highlighting the theology of grace, okay? Now, let's quickly use as a launching pad uh, 2 Corinthians, the... The ninth chapter All right Amen Second question the ninth chapter And let's look at Actually let's go to the twelfth chapter And let's Let's hear now Paul's explanation. Okay, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that I might depart from, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for me, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmity, in my reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen? Now, I know you have heard that particular uh, scripture several times used, that my strength is made perfect in weakness, but I believe it gives a great definition of grace, which is the ability of God's strength operating on your behalf. My Grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength. This is Jesus talking to Paul, is made perfect or matured in your weakness. And so we know that the grace of God is the ability of God's strength on your behalf. That's a basic definition of grace. It is God's strength. It is the manifestation of God's strength operating on your behalf. Now, why is he operating on your behalf? Because he loves you. He loves you. And so we know that there are advantages to the grace of God and that the grace of God, the scripture says, has appeared to all men, giving men the opportunity to experience God's strength in their weakness. So we need to thank God for his grace. There are five aspects of grace that we can, we can learn as, uh, as depicting how grace is important. Number one, grace is a salvation necessity. We are saved through faith by grace. It is a gift of God. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. So it is a gift of God. It is what God gives to every man that calls upon the name of the Lord that identifies our salvation. Number two, grace is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. For it is the spirit of God that is the spirit of grace? It is God's strength. When God, Jesus had relegated his, his spirit with us to lead and guide us into the truth, and in order for that leading to take place, The strength of the Lord has to be revealed by His Spirit, and as the Bible says, we pray that we would be strengthened. We would be strengthened by His Spirit in the inner man, so that that process lets us know that it is God's ability working on our behalf. Amen. God's strength. So when you experience the grace of God, you experience the strength of God needed to help us in the time of need. Number three, grace is a sanctifying tool to uh, uh, developing divine righteousness. And, of course, grace has a legality to it. It is a covenantal right. It is a a sanctioning or setting apart. It is a divine sanctioning placed upon everyone that has accepted Jesus as Lord. That gives them right standing with God. Not only is it a gift from God to qualify us being saved and receiving the help and, and favor to meet uh, in the time of need, but it is access through the Holy Spirit, and it is also access so that it could separate us, giving us sanctioning to attain right standing with God by any means necessary. That is the power of God's grace, and then grace is. A signature with God through covenant. And grace is a covenantal term. It's an ensuring of God's protection, provision, prosperity. It is also his, uh, his power at work in us to keep us affirmed. Why? Because God's grace is a signature of his covenant. And then lastly, God's grace is, hallelujah, the the sole force that overcomes the nature of sin. And that's what we read in Romans chapter 6, which we'll go to maybe a little later. Today I do want to talk about grace as gospel. And the gospel of grace is is really captured and depicted in the New Testament of Galatea or the Galatians, the book of Galatians, the church that... Um, that God had enabled Paul to um, activate near Asia Minor. Now, let's give a little background on Galatians. The Galatians, having lost their Christian experience by faith, seem content to leave their voyage of faith and chart new courses based on works. A course Paul finds disturbing. His letter to the Galatians is a vigorous attack against the gospel of works. And the defense of the gospel of faith, which also can be termed as the gospel of grace, Paul begins by setting forth his credentials as an apostle with a message from God's blessings coming from God on the basis of faith and not law. And the law declares that men are guilty and imprisons them, but faith sets them free to enjoy the liberty found in Christ. But righteousness through the spirit, But in addition to this, uh, liberty is not a license for sin. Freedom in Christ means freedom to produce the fruits of righteousness through a spirit-led lifestyle. And, and this is what Galatians presents to us. Now, the book of Galatians is called Pros Galatas, uh, to the Galatians, and it is the only letter, of Paul that specifically addressed the number of churches unto the churches of Galatea. Now, the name Galatians was given uh, to the Celtic people because they originally lived in Gaul before their migration to Asia Minor. So here was a progressive church, a new church that um, had been founded by Paul, and Paul had enabled this particular church to... Um, to live out the liberty that is found in Christ. But somewhere in the midst, theologically their perception about how God works and how God uses his people changed. The teaching of God's involvement in his people changed to a legalistic approach with, uh, with things infused with carnality and respects of persons and respects of things. But the gospel of grace, when it is preached and proclaimed, hallelujah, it it liberates us to live out righteousness through a spirit-led life as a solution. And so there are things that we learn in Galatians, and Galatians focus on five dynamics. Uh, Number one, freedom found in Christ. And we're going to talk about that since this is a great historic uh, uh, observation period where we celebrate and acknowledge the overcoming factors of cultural distinctions of African Americans, we're going to look at grace in light of judgment and justice. And in order to do that, we must see that the resolution is the righteousness of God through the spirit-led life. Now, also, uh, when we talk about Galatians, how it's it not only talks about freedom, but it also focuses on the flesh and the works of the flesh through weakness because in the flesh there is no good thing. Then thirdly, it talks about fruit, the fruit of the spirit, which are graces upon the believer. Now, the fruits are what? They are of the spirit. As we allow the spirit of God to reside and abide on the inside of us, we will produce results that identify nine results, that identify that the spirit has places in our lives. Amen. And so sometimes we get so focused on imagery that we lose the content uh, and the intent behind the content, rather. Amen. And then ultimately it talks about faith as a superior over legalistic religion. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Anything that is not done in faith is sin. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's a revelation of God's word and we have heard and we have applied and we walk it out by our daily commitment, consistent character, and our clarity on the directives of God. As we have those things, our attitude becomes conducive to the final authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our behavior is identified by the pattern we see in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our conduct is, then is characterized in the nature and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith is identified through the grace of God because we know that we can only stand in faith when the strength of the Lord is upon us. Amen. And so faith coming by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the 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 revealed revelation behind the intent, behind the content. Amen. So not only that did it deal with uh, freedom, it deal with flesh, it deal with fruit, it deal with faith, but in addition it also deal with false teachings and teachings. And we're going to do that as we explore. And I, I, I want to always give you, when we're doing systematic studies, order a concepts such as dispensations of grace. I want to give you a, a, a passage that you can go and explore and develop your own perspectives on grace, and that is the book of Galatians. Amen? Galatians will help you um, identify um, aspects of grace. Now, there are clarities that are needed to comprehend the grace of God. The clarity, first of all, needed to, to, to comprehend the, the grace of God is three. Covenantal understanding, okay, based on what do you understand about the covenants of God, right? Then creation realities. Creation reality. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So realities, you need to understand what that reality is. And then you need to also understand the, the content of Scripture, the context of Scripture, because you have many people claiming grace comprehension. And comprehension of the Scriptures must be revealed by revelation from the Scriptures not opinions on the scripture. Revelations abstracted from the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit has pointed out to us, and we're going to talk about that. Also, in addition to that, we need to know the difference between covenant claims versus covenant laws. Now, some people claim covenant. They claim access, but they don't have the understanding on what legally has given them the right to claim the access. And God not only did things creatively, he also did it legally. He legally redeemed us, hallelujah. He legally purchased and paid the penalty for sin so that we could live unto righteousness without a sin complex or a sin consciousness. And so if he did, if we seek and search our understanding of what he has done for us, his agreement with us today, that's a part of that dispensational understanding on grace, then we will experience a greater quality of life as Christians. So then also we need to understand the difference between counterfeit theology and courses of grace. Because there's a there's a free for all grace concept that is distorted. I have a, a good writer that I'm gonna be quoting from that called hyper grace when I deal with judgment. Grace is not does not exclude the consequences to actions committed before you had an understanding on grace. No grace brings you back into right standing with God and man. Grace strengthens you with the intelligence would be insight and with the imprints of God's power on your life to transform you from the inside out so you can be a living epistle, so that you can be a a letter read read by everybody that says, this has been the mark of God on your life so that when you go to, to stand before people in God, they will see the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and say, what must I do? It is not something where people look at you and they remember the things of your actions and because you got some new perspective, you, you think your consequences have been alleviated from your past. No, God, when he cleans you up, he cleans you up from the inside out, and he cleans you up so much that you make a total 350, a total change in nature, a total name in his namesake, a total change in his namesake, and you also make a total change in your character because you have become a new creation in Christ. So there are things that you need to understand. And then also, again, I cannot surely, unapprehending grace in the Scripture versus secular connotations infused with hyper theology pertaining grace. You need to know those various distinctions. Amen. So there is gospel found in grace, and the gospel found in grace is what we're, what we're seeking, and that's what Galatians Talks about This is what Paul is arguing to this church because he invested a lot of time in seeing that this church abounds in the grace of God. And grace is always, grace must be always accompanied with truth to manifest the power of God because God's way is truth. His way is perfect. And no, nothing in used to confirm or confound the truth. Everything that is in darkness will be read red and made in life. Now, Ephesians 1510, I mean, 1 Corinthians 1510, 1 Corinthians 1510. Hallelujah. This is an anointing on studying grace, and grace is not an escape goat. I used to say that by revelation, but now I got a kind of culture that you can, in, in, in our culture, you can distort what grace really is, you can distort what grace really is by, by making, making, uh, making it appease secular perspectives and connotations. But Ephesians 15, 10, 1 Corinthians 15, 10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. Now, see, he worked for this, but the grace of God which was in me, with, which was with me. Therefore, whether I were, whether it were I or they, we preach, so we preach, and so ye believe. So he's saying this here, listen, all of what I have, I have shared with you is because of the grace of God. And, of course, he's defending the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and exercising gifts and public worship and things like that. But he's saying, look, all of this is done because God's strength is on us. When we are empowered by the strength of God, we can do what we do. Ephesians 4, 7. Ephesians 4, 7. I'm have to be trying to get there because I kept saying Ephesians fifteen ten, and there's no 15 chapters in Ephesians. But Ephesians 4, 7 says, look, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So as we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he gives us gifts through grace, and those gifts enable the church to be distinctively different from the world. And then, of course, you know, grace is, is made perfect in our weakness. Second Corinthians twelve nine, Ephesians two. Let's go there, right quick, and let's read um, uh, this because grace defines our Christianity. And this this is the gospel of grace. The good news is that grace cleans us up. Amen. But counterized when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcised. Of course, let me let me give some context to this. Um, I might okay. I want you to write down for for the sake of if I I get into this, I won't finish the lesson where I want to go today. Um, of course, uh, the gospel of grace had to be approved by those who were in Jerusalem. And because the gospel of grace was so new, Paul, Titus, and um, Barnabas uh, took time with the apostles to to complete their the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they spent two years after they went to Jerusalem um, uh, uh, and went up by Re- revelation and communicated to them the things which the gospel, that was the gospel that was preached unto them. So we know that... Um, God was also bringing reconciliation to cultures in this particular time, and that was fairly a new uh, movement in the Christian Christianity because it was confined the,
1: under Judaism.
0: So God had to establish uh, new, a new F, a new perspectives in order to qualify. Agree. So here we see um, in this particular description is God. Uh, uh, expressing or qualifying Christianity as a whole, uh, mainly through reconciliation, righteousness, and revelation um, uh, of the message of grace. The grace of God has appeared to all men, and that's what they were preaching and reasoning with the apostles in Jerusalem for 14 years prior to being released and separated by the Holy Ghost to establish the church because God wanted the church to be established with a covenant or a with an awareness of the power that is behind the dispensation of grace. Now, I'll give you one more scripture. Um, let's go to let's go and define. Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, and let's look at at uh, uh, Jesus. Amen. I've given a lot of stuff. I know um, i seem kind of, I, I have many different avenues to go in this particular teaching, but I really kind of want to, next week, I'm going to go full throttle next week on another level of grace. But in this one, I just want to get the gospel out. The gospel is the good news. And, of course, the gospel is predicated on the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we look at grace being an attribute of Jesus. And, uh John 1.14, which says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. That that means wait, the glory as only the begotten of the Father, soul of grace and truth. So as we begin now, of course you know grace and truth is a, a is a is a a twin, an awesome twin pair, but it's also indicative of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the, is not Jesus or Jesus Christ is is Christ, but Christ is the spirit that Jesus possessed or the, the nature of God's intent expressed through the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. And that spirit has been deposited into our hearts, by faith, and that is as a result of the workings of grace and the truth. So as we come in contact with the truth of God's word, um, we, we, we begin to empower ourselves with grace. Now, let me leave you with this, and um, I want you to understand what grace grace effect will do. This will transform your relationship with God. Understanding grace will transform your relationship with God. And how will it do it? It will do it five basic ways, and we'll come back next week and finish this or finish our journey. Grace, Grace acknowledges and outlines our Christian experience by empowering our walk with confidence and affirms itself with the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. And then grace authorizes aspects of the covenant you make with God and affords abundance through the gift of righteousness. It is, it enhanced, it's an enhancement to the quality of life that we live. And then it, grace alters a complex of sin. Um, true righteousness found in the mind of Christ, producing favor to manifest the perfect will of God, supernatural sufficiency. That's what we started off with, empowerment for the Christian perspective, and that we have grace that always transforms us. It always transforms us to our, our, um, through our nature to living a life of godliness through exploits of supernatural power. Why? Because the grace of God is God's strength in us to produce the gospel or the good news of the good reality of his work, his inner work and inner, so that we can be a light and a beacon to others that say, what must I do to be saved? Now, um, so you need to study Romans 1, Romans 3, Romans 5, uh, the whole book of Galatians. Uh, you can also go through uh, Hebrews 4, John 5, for and all see how grace is just a powerful revelation to us as believers. And hopefully tonight you got out of the text that God has done a great deal of investment through an aspect of life called his grace. And if we understand the grace of God, we can transform our lives. For his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God, because the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. It causes the wise the wise it causes the wise to inherit divine intellect, insight, divine instinct by your sovereign hand. We thank you, Lord, for you bestowing upon us your grace that the wisdoms of, of this world would pray to hear and learn but cannot even comprehend because it is your goodness that empowers us to live this Christian life by your precious Holy Spirit. And as we seek and press into the Holy Spirit even more, to find out what grace is all about, let your spirit begin to uh, awaken an interest in understanding grace for life Father, for you came that we might have life and have it abundantly, and you cause us both to will and do your good pleasure because it is your gospel of grace that transforms us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the the entrance of your word awakens the light to see things differently and to be in better places. We appreciate you for the work that you've done. By your grace, and we praise you for it in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved from with the mouth of confession is made unto salvation. Would you repeat after me? I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God raised Jesus from the dead. I thank God for the work that he did for me, at Calvary. Now, normally we would have a commercial at the end that introduces you to our prayer line, but if you look on our website or go to the blog site, download this t- particular teaching and hundreds of other teachings, and then also uh, get the information on our prayer center, which is found on our page. Call them and tell them that you've just been born again if this is your first time or if you want to be dedicating your life to the Lord. We also recommend that you call our prayer line. If you want to be filled with the evidence of the Holy Spirit that's speaking in unknown tongues, as God gives utterance. So we pray that you would press in and learn uh, the word of God that is needed to transform your life because we know it's by the Holy Spirit that enables us to live this Christian life. Thank you for listening. We have more to come this month. We're going deeper. This is just the surface of our teaching. We're going to deal with grace and judgment, grace as judgment. Amen because we're learning the dispensations of grace. I'm going to give some more teaching on dispensations. Thank you for joining me tonight in this systematic study of the Word of God. God bless you, and good night.